still look pretty the podcast hey guys welcome back to the sit still look pretty podcast with me summer and me vanessa so today (laughs) in light of recent events i thought we we should talk about it i feel like it's like the elephant in the room amongst law students at the moment this is going to be so much fun so without further ado (laughs) you know what i'm gonna say let's talk about calling the caterpillar yeah so this is the first episode of the question awareness series and we're going to discuss what's going on and give our take on it it's going to be a lot more light-hearted than our other episodes but let's get right into it i mean considering we both have a background in intellectual property uh we we didn't we must say we didn't think we would use it so soon but uh, <laughs> but here we are talking about cake how fitting we spoke about cakes in our first episode and now here we are again. It's literally like a running commentary, like about cake, whether it's analogies, whether it's case law, you know, cake. We just love cake, guys. <laughs> we just love cake. Just a confession out there. Okay, right. So let's give a bit of background about this Colin the Caterpillar situation. So basically, Marks and Spencers are saying that Audi is infringing on their trademark of the Colin the Caterpillar cake through their Cuthbert the Caterpillar cake. And that's where all the memes that you guys are seeing are coming from on Twitter and TikTok and stuff like that. So maybe we should start with what actually is a trademark to sort of lay down the foundation. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, everybody knows about the existence of a trademark, but I think very few people know about what actually a trademark is. What does it seek to protect? Um, how long does it last? What kind of intellectual property right is it? Because it definitely differs from things like copyrights and patents and stuff like that. So I think, yeah, that's a, that, that's a good starting point. So a trademark is a um, type of right. It is an intellectual property right, uh, which means it's intangible. You can't hold it <laughs> physically, but it nonetheless exists and it gives proprietary rights to its owner, um, which means that it gives right to a certain amount of remedies and infringement and courses of action. So you might think, well, how long does it last for? And the answer to that is 10 years from the date of filing. It is it's the shortest, actually. Yeah, it's the shortest type of intellectual property right um, with patents and copyrights. Copyrights are for um, 70 years. And uh, it, it counts from the date of the filing. So from the date that you filed for a trademark, that's when it starts, when the timer starts, basically. And uh, it says 10 years, but you can actually renew it. So protection can actually be indefinite if you remember to to do your renewal every 10 years or so yeah exactly and what a trademark actually does is it indicates origin so uh, let's take coca-cola for example the coca-cola trademark the way it's written the you know the hyphen everything the way it's set out is a trademark it has been trademarked because when you go into the store and you see coca-cola you know what you're going to get basically and that's kind of links to the theoretical underpinning of trademarks it's kind of like a law and economics 
merge here um where it's more about the commercial gain of the trademark owner and making sure that no other company infringes on that and no other company sort of rides on the coattails as you will hear in this episode of your trademark or the trademark owner's trademarks so you know you have coca-cola and you have different brands of cola but you can look at a brand of cola maybe like tesco brand version of cola and then look at coca-cola and you're gonna know what sort of taste you're gonna get from the coca-cola and what sort of standard you're gonna get can i just say i think we need to clarify that a trademark doesn't necessarily protect the content of the product it doesn't necessarily so if you have a recipe um for example say the recipe of coca-cola right that's a different right we're talking about a trademark here which is specifically to do with the packaging that the product comes in whether you can trademark shapes you can trademark colors um but that all pertains Mm. to the packaging of the product Mm. so i think it's very important that we make that distinction now so that you guys understand what we mean when we talk about um calling the caterpillar and uh could (laughs) Cuthbert, later on. But as Summer said, yes, the purpose of the trademark protection in itself is to safeguard the relationship between the mark and the consumer by functioning as as a badge of origin. Because the mark in itself functions as a way of differentiating between the product of one undertaking and the product of another undertaking. And if that trademark has been somewhat eroded if it has been used uh, misused by other companies then that has the risk of stifling that relationship between Mm. that brand and that consumer so that is not good (laughs) but um we should also talk about the other functions of of trademark aside from a, a badge of origin which are investment and advertising yeah, so like I said about the theoretical underpinning, about law and economics kind of coming together um, to underpin um, this area of intellectual property right, if we talk about investment now, if you have a specific trademark, you the products you produce under that trademark are thereby protected the way they're the way that identification works is kind of what a trademark is. It's a way of consumers being able to identify, you know, the services and goods that come from that name, that shape, that trademark, right? So for example, now again with Colin the Caterpillar, one of the issues that we're going to talk about is the commercial gain that Aldi can be rewarded through using such a similar packaging and similar cake, I guess. And yeah, so investment is really about the money, the money made by the trademark owner, how it can be affected by someone infringing on their trademark. And then you've got advertising and advertising can be affected if someone brings out a similar product under the same trademark, similar trademarks, confusing the consumers as to which one is which. When it comes to advertising, some consumers may relate that product who doesn't come from that trademark owner to them. And then their advertising is affected now because they're going to sit there and going to be like, oh, but I thought that was of them. Or maybe it's not. Oh, I'm confused. Yeah, the advertisement function is uh, basically what the potential consumer has come to anticipate from advertising of that particular trademark or from a um, if they've bought the product in the past and they have ex- they expect a similar mm. experience or a similar 
product this time round. I think you've already noticed we speak about the consumer quite a lot, and that's because in trademarks, everything is assessed, well, a lot of the things are uh, assessed from the perspective of the consumer. So the consumer is very important in ascertaining whether there is similarity between two trademarks whether they are identical that kind of that kind of stuff so the i guess you could say that marks and spencer's relationship with the consumer would become somewhat confused which impairs the origin function that we spoke about of trademarks because aldi is using the Cuthbert mark um, so therefore the strength of MNS's monopoly is narrowed at the expense of the amplification of Aldi basically like Somerset free riding on the coattails um, which means they're gaining Aldi is gaining an unfair advantage by using such a similar design which confuses the origin for the consumer and therefore that confusion is then profitable mm-hmm. for Aldi so I think with that out of the way we should uh, we should move on to what the issues are between Colin and Kuthberg. Uh, yes. So just before we get into it, I'm just going to give you guys a bit of a background on how we're going to go through this episode. So we're going to go through the similarities in packaging and design of the cake. That's kind of how this whole situation, this whole case, this whole infringement kind of erupted. Then we're going to talk about distinctiveness. And that's really important when it comes to trademarks, because as we said, it acts as a badge of origin and it has to be distinctive to anything else. You have to be able to look at that and know exactly where the goods and services come from. We're going to talk about marks of a reputation, which again is another thing that we believe that um, M&S will rely on when it comes to them actually taking this to court um, about the reputation of the con and the caterpillar cake and we'll talk about the relative grounds for refusal so this is where we really hone in on the consumer focused you know thinking about the objective test of the reasonable consumer similarities between the cakes um, confusion on the part of the consumer um, we'll talk about defenses whether it is a freedom of expression way of creating a cake you know a cake is a creative thing it's made it's colorful it's funky it's cool but also there's only so many ways that you can make a caterpillar but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get onto that i guess towards the yeah. end of the episode uh, but there's also another important dimension which we're going to consider and that's whether the calling the caterpillar trademark itself whether whether that should be revoked in a way due to genericism Mm. yeah exactly so first let's hone in on the beginning of the packaging similarity and the cake similarity so we've done a bit of research a bit of background research you know like the law students we are we want to give you guys key information facts we come with the receipts (laughs) and obviously it's a podcast we can't really show you a picture but if you want to bring up a picture of colin the caterpillar and cuthbert the caterpillar to see if what we're saying is true do it but the similarities in the packaging first we're going to start with the color scheme is similar the way that the box is laid out but then again like vanessa said there's only certain many ways that you can you can make a caterpillar cake they're an oblong shape of course you're going to need to put it in a rectangular box are you not anyway and then you've got the design of the cake again they have the sweets on the top they're a chocolate coated cake they have the cream face the chocolate eyes on a green what do you call that like a cake i guess like a platter yeah like a green platter um kind of looking thing to slide the cake in and out of the box basically so they are very identical and another key thing that i want you to keep in the back of your mind is that 
the one from Aldi is two pounds cheaper than the one from Marks and Spencers. This may not be important right now. Some of you may be thinking, oh, it's only two pounds. That's not when it comes to trademarks and when it comes to commercial gain, that is key. Let me tell you something. Details, details to lawyers. <laughs> they do not go unnoticed. So yeah, keep yeah. in mind, guys, two pounds. Yeah. So first, we're going to get on with our first kind of argument. Similar does not mean identical. Like Vanessa said, there's so many different ways of making a cake, but there's only so few ways of making a caterpillar cake. They're all kind of going to look the same, especially if you want to do it in a chocolate coated format and the first case we have for you guys is specs savers and asda in 2013 and the issue is well was the genuine use of a wordless logo mark belonging to spec savers so if you guys are familiar with the spec savers logo it has that sort of outlining of a glasses frame i would say just to make it easier for them to to join circles sort of like a venn diagram without the third yeah like a bit like an oval like glasses the the circular glasses frame without the handles i guess and the court the european court of justice held that it didn't alter the distinctive character and then we'll go in to talk about genuine use because they said the genuine use pursuant of article 18 one of the european trademark directive if we're going to relate this case now back to the difference between colin the caterpillar cuthbert the caterpillar aldi mns we need to now look at whether the caterpillar cake from mns the colin one is distinctive in comparison to the aldi one but we can also now talk about the ones from the different supermarkets as well which i'll adhere to shortly now here's my argument right so as i said before and i will say it again it has a very caterpillars have a very distinctive shape there is no stemming away from that otherwise it just won't look like a caterpillar anymore um but we are concerned here with the packaging too but the fact that we firstly considered the shape of the caterpillar and the ways in which that cannot be altered that means that the packaging itself cannot be altered it's rectangular it has to go in a rectangular box so that's that I guess they could have made maybe some different choices regarding color, but nonetheless, it has to go in a very similar type of, of packaging. It is a caterpillar. But this is the thing. It has to go in a very similar packaging, right? But what if we add a little bit of a nuance here? It's in a rectangular box, but why can't it be in a box with an oval front? You see what I mean? I guess, but then we can we could invoke a environmental argument mm. and say that that would use up more cardboard, mm. and we're trying to save the planet. <laughs> and an oval peekaboo, what do you yeah. call this like plastic thing that allows you to see what's in the box? I'm good. I'm just gonna call it peekaboo. <laughs> that would have to be bigger if it's an oval box, and that's more plastic, so mm. it's environmental. But trademarks too bad they're not concerned with um with with the environment yeah no that's really not of our concern in this episode but you know just to get you guys thinking a little bit here about the ways that they could have actually changed the let's say distinctive character to their packaging linking back to what i said earlier like i said for you guys to adhere to and and kind of pay attention to sainsbury's asda tesco aldi marks and spencers all have caterpillar cakes that all look the same 
and they've picked out on Aldi's one. And obviously, if you look at the pictures now, Aldi's one is quite similar to Marks and Spencer's in terms of colour scheme, packaging, all of that stuff. Yes, that's right. But if we if we nitpick this, right, mm. like to the max. Mm. So I, by the way, for reference, I'm looking at both of um, both of the cakes in front of me right now, and the packaging for the Aldi one, you can see that the font is actually a bit different compared to the M&S one, right? Mm. Like the name Cuthbert is in a very similar font as Colin, mm. despite the fact that it's actually not, but it's still quite similar. Mm. It's not identical, but it's quite similar, which I suppose I can see why it would create confusion, but we'll get onto that in a second. But then the Caterpillar, the words the mm. Caterpillar, in the um, M&S one, mm. they're different than in the Aldi one. Mm. So to me, the text, especially the font of mm. a product, of mm. a packaging of a product, is enough to constitute some sort of mm. part of the distinctive character. Not all of yeah. it, it's cumulative, mm. but some part of it. I just don't think it's substantial enough. I don't think the change is substantial enough. Like, let's think about this now. A bit of an anecdote here. When we were talking about the Colin the Caterpillar cake, like me and you just sitting here, we didn't even know it came from M&S. This is what I'm trying to say, which is why I think that Colin the Caterpillar the, in itself has become very generic. Mm. I don't think that it's... Okay, how do I put this? So it's a household name, mm. right? We've all probably at some stage in our life have had a Colin the Caterpillar cake for our birthdays. And we don't think... When we think about Colin the Caterpillar, mm. we don't think about like, oh, it's actually made by M&S. Mm. And like Summer said, before we recorded this episode and we did like research on it and everything, we didn't even know it was made by M&S. Mm. We just thought it was like some sort of recipe that was passed down in, by generations, um, you know, history, all of that. But it's actually not. Yeah. So I think that it's actually become subject to genericism and even the big four supermarkets they even use it mm. you know what i mean like it's it's yeah everybody is making it and also in in relation to the classification the niece classification for which is registered by the way a niece classification is a sort of it's, scale yeah. for all of the things that you can register for a trademark um but it's also used internationally in the world as well and so for Colin the Caterpillar I believe it was registered for section 30 of the Nice classification system and that's in relation to dry goods sort of like coffees and confectionery that kind of stuff mm. so uh, my argument the one I'm putting forward is that for article for um, section 30 mm. of the Nice classification I think it's become generic. Mm. Everybody knows about Colin the Caterpillar, but I can make a bet that not that half of those people that know about it don't know that it's mm. actually made by Marks and Spencers. But also, when you register a trademark, the trademark owner needs to make sure that they need to take care that it doesn't become generic. Mm. And uh, the authority I'm going to cite for that is Frank Industrier, Frank Industrier and Procordia, 
Food in 2004, which where it was held that um, relevant circles comprise principally of consumers and users. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that the trademark in itself is co-authored. Mm -hmm. You know, it's made by the, the business owner, but actually it's the consumer that makes it, that gives it that importance. Mm -hmm. And therefore, that's why we need to look at the consumers and the users. Mm -hmm. So if they think that it, it's become a household name that everybody knows about it, then I don't really see it mm. being a trademark. Yeah. I mean, let's, I'm going to counter this a little bit. So Colin the Caterpillar was trademarked in 2009. And if it was in the UK, your trademark runs out after 10 years and you have to renew it. So that means it ran out in 2019. Now let's take a bit of a commercially aware thought process here on tiktok i don't know if anybody else has seen this but it was a very big trend for a while where people were going through and comparing colin the caterpillar cakes Cuthbert cake wiggly the caterpillar from sainsbury's they were comparing all of them seeing the taste difference between them and seeing which one tasted better and ranking them and all of this stuff now MS hasn't taken action against all of the other infringers because we could argue that sainsbury's also infringed with wiggly the caterpillar and we could also argue that tesco did the same thing with their own version as well as as they all have that caterpillar cake but they've taken it against Audi and this links to my commercial argument here where the Audi one is two pounds cheaper than the M&S one right now if we're talking about genericism here you have to take into account the influence of the intermediaries the court has to take that into consideration. So now we can take into consideration the TikTok trend and, you know, how people were advertising it on behalf of MS, not for MS, but just for TikTok views or likes or trends or whatever like that. So if we now take that into consideration now, ha the genericism is true. We're not going to argue against it. But has it only become generic because it's been a trend? You see what I mean? I mean, regardless of whether it's a trend or not, it is still the responsibility of the trademark owner to take action against all infringers and any, this includes any omission. So if the trademark owner is not sufficiently, I don't know, vigilant as to the preservation of the distinctive character of his mark, which I'm going to cite Bacaldrin and Backmittal 2014, then that can lead to genericism mm. and regardless of whether this is a commercial argument whether it's any of any of that the reality of the situation is yes everybody knows about Colin the Caterpillar but not a lot of people know that it was actually made by Marks and Spencers mm. and to to counter argue what you said about the supermarkets they they did they did do their own version of the Colin the Caterpillar cake, yes. But I think from what I've researched anyway, they weren't as similar as the Aldi one. So nobody is refuting that they are similar indeed. But I think it's also important for us to consider that um, just because the other supermarkets copied it doesn't mean that they infringed on the, on the trademark. But then we'll go back to what we said about, yeah, Mox Spencers, they didn't pay attention to their trademark. They didn't pay attention to the fact that it was becoming generic. But you can argue that it became generic as soon as everybody started copying it. Absolutely. So now we see just because the Tesco one doesn't have it 
yellow a, a white face doesn't mean that it's not similar it still has the sweets it still has the same shape it still has the same chocolate coating the morrison's one exactly the same it just has a blue bow tie like these aren't things big enough to counteract it as distinctive as on their own yes but remember we're we're focusing on the packaging too so the distinctiveness of the trademark isn't just acquired by the by the contents of the box it's a accumulation between the box and the content of it and the reality is is that yes they look similar if you put the Culp one the Morrison's one the Aldi one the Asda one the Sainsbury's one etc probably to a consumer they would all look like it's a cake at the end of the day it's a caterpillar cake you know what I mean um but from a legal perspective they are different but then that begs the question of what is the distinctive character of Colin the Caterpillar cake? Yeah. And once we ascertain that distinctive character of this Colin the Caterpillar cake, then we can see mm. if Aldi did indeed copy mm. um, in, or infringe this trademark. So if we're going to go back to the distinctive character of the Colin the Caterpillar cake, chocolate coating, coloured sweets on top, that kind of resemble smarties in shape and texture on the outside white chocolate face dark brown milk chocolate dark chocolate eyes and now we look at the packaging clear film rectangular in the front and then you've got the green around the sides with the different colored spots right very similar curve colin pretty much identical in terms of the types of shapes they use the color scheme they use it's all like those primary colors those primary shapes that you kind of outline and draw in primary school and things like that because obviously this cake is targeted at children for the most part so if collins one is really distinctive in terms of those shapes and curve is the same then we can argue that infringed on its distinctiveness because they look the same obviously we can't show you guys so i would recommend again looking at them in comparison but they do look the same so then mns could sit there and be like oh but our distinctiveness, primary colours, types of shape, layout of the cake inside the box, cling film, lettering, font, position, everything is is the same, almost. Almost identical. But in that case, then, so are all the other supermarkets. Exactly. This is what I'm saying to you. Exactly. If you guys now bring up a picture of Morrison's, Morrison's one looks exactly the same. <laughs> green outlying the primary colors again the white chocolate face the milk chocolate eyes here's the thing right so the more i think about this the the new more the more like perspectives i see so we both agreed that it is uh served or it comes packaged in a um green sort of like platter plateau whatever you want to call it now caterpillars are grass insects no yeah, they are. So that green um, platter is is there to serve sort of the environment within which caterpillars usually come. Like that's that's where they exist. It's their natural habitat. So it's not like one brand looked at it and thought, oh yeah, I'm going to put green there because it just complements the shape or the um, color of the caterpillar. It's there for a reason. So you could argue that actually... It just serves to depict a uh, picture of a caterpillar as accurately as possible. Mm. I think we don't... 
I completely agree with that. And obviously this is again all hypothetical in what we think we could bring forward in a case is kind of like a hypothetical situation. But I can agree more. Um especially because the colours are so contrasting in the the milk chocolate and then the green you know what I mean because you can't if you're having a chocolate cake you can't then put a brown chocolate box because then it's all brown but if it's a caterpillar walking through the grass that's exactly what it looks like it's there to enhance the the re- to make it look as um, real as possible mm-hmm. and I think that that needs to be taken into consideration it's not just there because oh we felt like green was a it was an adequate choice it's there because like I said it for to kids anyway it adds that layer of um of realness mm-hmm. to it and to add on to that now and this is where the comparison between colin and cuthbert really come ahead if you now take the colin the caterpillar cake out of the packaging and you take the cuthbert cake out of the packaging and you just put them both on the table they look more or less the same because everything about them is the same now so again cuthbert colin you can't really tell so when you are at a party and people are sitting around and the colin the caterpillar or the cuthbert is just sitting in the middle of the table you can't tell which store it came from and this is where it comes from riding on the coattails because everybody loves a colin the caterpillar cake but i'm gonna pay two pounds less and go to aldi because it looks exactly the same no one can tell personally anyway i don't think i could tell but also i think we have to take into account who the end end user of this cake predominantly is Mm. and that's kids Mm. So, this then moves the discussion on to, would they be able to tell the difference? Mm. Would they, would, would they be, you know, would they look at it and be like, Mom, no, I'm not having this. This is not Marks and Spencer's Colin the Caterpillar. It's, it's Cuthbert instead. No, highly unlikely. But yeah, that's just, I guess that's just another dimension that yeah. you guys could think about. Yeah. Next, we're going to kind of go into infringements. And we're going to hone in on, we're going to go through the Trademark Act as amended, 1994, and give you guys a few pointers as to what we think they could bring as infringements, basically. Yeah, so basically, uh, the so what constitutes um, infringing mm. acts as per Section 10, subsection 4 of the Trademark Act 1994. Yes, so the first one, um, Trademark Act 1994 as amended, Section 4, subsection A. Well, section 10, subsection 4, subsection A. Affixed to goods or packaging. And that's kind of what we've kind of adhered to in terms of the packaging, the wording, the colours, the shapes, everything is similar. And then you have section 10, 4B. Offers to supply goods under the sign. And then that's where we talk about now that they're se- Audi are selling these cakes. That's you know what they're doing it's a supermarket and then you have section 104d uses the sign in business paper and advertising this cake has been advertised by aldi that they've posted about it they've they're currently making posts about it through the memes even you know what i mean so these are the three that we think that you know marks and spencers could really bring ahead as infringing acts can I just say, I think this, if anything, the whole media attention that Kufberg has been getting over the last couple of uh, of days, if anything, it's boosting Aldi's mm-hmm. Aldi sales, which doesn't help Aldi because their make their profit, their commercial profit is even higher. So um, they're making even more money from this, which I guess, yeah, it it comes from that infringement. Yeah. So did Aldi even use? 
the mark in the course of trade. If we use um, Arsenal here, the Arsenal case, you could say they did, but you could equally say they didn't. And for us to be able to say whether they've used the sign in the course of trade, we would have to ascertain, like I said before, the distinctive character of the mark. So if we follow the analysis that we made earlier on and go on the fact that because it has a certain font and a certain style and it comes in a certain box with the cling film arranged in a certain way, etc., that it can constitute sort of confusion between uh, Marks and Spencers and Aldi if we follow the analysis in Canon and Mayer case. So I guess the, the answer is open-ended. Yeah, I think... I would argue that they did use it in the course of trade. It's a supermarket selling a cake which is identical to a cake that has a reputation already of being a well-known children's party ideal cake situation. So if we do use Canon and Mayer when we're talking about the likelihood of confusion, well, there is because we were even confused as to where the cake originated from in the first place. But let alone if you present two cakes in front of someone and you're like M&S or Aldi and you're like, oh, they look the same. The packaging is the same. The cake is the same. But the counter-argument to that is you yourself said just now that the origin of the cake was confused in the first place. Nobody knows. So how can you argue that it confused mm. the trademark between M&S and its end user between, you know, regarding Colin the Caterpillar when a vast majority of people probably don't know mm. that it originates from Marks and Spencers. Mm. So... Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a tough nut to crack, I guess. But um, it's just you know some of our thoughts on this whole situation at the moment. So with that, I think we should move on to defenses and what sort of um, what could Aldi say mm. to justify that mm. a um, that infringement of suppo- that supposed infringement of Marks and Spencer's calling the caterpillar mm. for trademark. Well, I don't feel like this is a particularly strong enough argument, but it is something that they could say in terms of the freedom of expression. Um, This case can be underpinned with the Louis Vuitton and My Other Bag case, which was kind of a parody where um, My Other Bag was creating bags that had a Louis Vuitton print on them. But in a smaller version, it was like a humorous thing because obviously it wasn't a Louis Vuitton bag. And everyone kind of knew that's kind of what the courts were saying. It's evident that this is just for humour and it's not actually a Louis Vuitton bag. It's not like those bags that are basically identical to Louis Vuitton. They're just not produced by Louis Vuitton. It was one of those bags where it's painted on almost. That's what it kind of looks like. If you want to look up the case, um, I definitely recommend it. And yeah, but we can't really argue here, in my personal opinion, that is a parody. It is a joke. It is freedom of expression they are trying to um assert their artistic freedoms um and express themselves freely because audi is a well-known supermarket where in my personal opinion the only true intention could be the commercial gain that they're making from selling a pretty much an identical cake a popular cake with a reputation for a lesser price and again this links to the law and economics theory underpinning trademarks as a stamp of origin because let's take, for example, a smaller bakery or a parody of Colin the Caterpillar, like all the Twitter memes, they, that could be excused. You could say, oh, 
like it was just a one-off or someone asked for it to look like if the smaller bakery were like oh someone asked for this cake it's just a one-off I'm just exerting my my uh, artistic ability um for the benefit of one singular customer then yeah but these Cuthbert cakes are made in masses then they're constantly produced and almost probably could be found in every Audi store so I mean I get where you're coming from and the whole you know the whole piece of legislation that's underpinning the outcome well not so not so much the outcome but the whole sort of underlying rationale of of the Maya the bad case is freedom of expression so that's article 10 of the European Convention on Human Rights and article 11 of the Charter of Fundamental Rights which both refer to freedom of expression and I guess yeah you know parody doesn't even doesn't really apply because it, it doesn't it's quite obvious that Aldi didn't mean to make fun of Colin the Caterpillar uh, which is what parody means the EU views commercial gain as the determining factor in deciding whether the freedom of expression defense applies and yes Aldi did by using Cuthbert they did have a commercial gain because they rode on the coattails of the Marks and Spencer's mark. So I guess you could say that um, that the parody defense doesn't apply, which I guess leaves us on to the commercial gain that the that Aldi has gained from using MNS's mark. And the beginning authority for that would be Interflora. Um, so. Interflora case held that it has to affect the functions of the trademark in question. So we have investment, like we said, advertisement, and it has to function as a badge of origin. And I guess you could argue that that use of Kufbat has affected all three. Yeah, so if we look at Origin, for example, like we've we've mentioned, they look very similar in packaging and makeup of the cake, where the white chocolate and milk chocolate is based, where the sweets are placed, the use of the shapes and the packaging, the colour scheme, and even the font um, of the writing of the name. Advertisement, there's confusion in the packaging, as it is almost identical. And um, when you do go now to to um look up these memes and 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 things like that there is a lot of advertising in terms of like Cuthbert is in jail based off Colin the Caterpillar and now even this is now affecting the the view of the Colin the Caterpillar cake under M&S as well and then if you look at the investment again like I said earlier Audi cake the Audi Cuthbert the caterpillar is two pounds cheaper so people as as they look identical people will be like oh well that's two pounds cheaper i'm just going to go to audi instead and then now this now affects the commercial investment that MS could have made from their original um calling the caterpillar cake as people probably be going to audi rather spending money on the one at audi as it as it is cheaper and looks the same um and we can link this to the case of l'oreal and Belleur, where uh, Belleur was selling low budget versions of l'oreal products and the part uh the court held here that thir- the third party's use of the mark was liable to affect the functions of the 
trademark and now if we look at all three points that now I've outlined from you know Vanessa adhering to to Interflora where we look at origin advertisement and investment we can now see that the Aldi cake does in fact infringe on those functions of the Colin the Caterpillar cake and thereby the trademark that um Marks and Spencer's has um in that cake provided that there is infringement yeah yeah um okay well i think we're gonna leave it there this episode is quite long but as always our social medias are always open for you guys to message us and tell us what do you think about colin the caterpillar and cuthbert and whether you think that it does in fact copy marks and spencer's mark we hope you guys have an amazing day as always and uh, we'll see you on our next episode next saturday Bye. Bye. Bye, guys.